Hello and welcome to the Week 3 NFL Football Outsiders Recap Show. I am your host, Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Edge Sports, or here at Football Outsiders, formerly Edge Sports for me. And uh, joining me as always is Mike Tenier, Senior Analyst for Football Outsiders. Now he's been in the Football Outsiders world quite a while. <laughs> Mike, how was the, the Week 3 action for you? It seemed like there was a lot of scoring early on in these games uh, during the, the 1 o'clock games yesterday. Yeah, week three started out red hot and rolled to a stop by Sunday night football. You're right. A lot of really fascinating games, a lot of upsets, and then a lot of punting. Yes. Sunday night was Sunday night punt fest. (laughs) (laughs) It was. I believe it was. I think it was a total of five punts inside the 10-yard line. Wow. Uh, so if, if you're an old special teams coach, you like that warm the cockles of your heart. But for yeah. the rest of us, I was just struggling. Now, I had I had uh, the Broncos. I keep wanting to say this, y'all. I had Russell mm-hmm. Wilson's team, the yep. Broncos, uh, and uh, one and a half points. So I stayed awake to the bitter end to watch it. But sometimes a win feels like a loss. Like you get a little bit of mm-hmm. money, but you lose an hour of sleep. You'll never get back. Yeah. That's what Sunday night football is like. Yeah, I missed this week's Sunday night game. And like we were talking beforehand, I didn't really – Miss a ton. I did get caught up on some of the action from that one, though, which we'll cover a little bit later. Uh, Before we jump into the big news of the day, just want to remind everyone out there about Underdog Fantasy. You can play with us and double your first deposit up to $100. That's a free $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. You may know of them as a really big in best ball, and they are. With NFL best ball season over, they do still have other user-friendly game formats that spice up all the NFL games. You can try what they've called a a Battle Royale, which is a six-round best ball-style draft. Got simpler chances to win than you have with traditional daily fantasy sports sites where you're playing against hundreds of thousands of other people. Or you can try their pick'em games. We got a, a big win on that Monday night last week. You can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines. Uh, I ended up choosing, I didn't the week before, a couple weeks before, but chose the insurance on it. So it just reduces your payout, but I got four out of the five uh, last week. And I think the only one I missed uh, that we talked about was Dalvin Cook, anytime touchdown. So one on that and still one two and a half times the money. So that is really fun. You can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Uh, Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. So join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or on the Underdog app. And again, use that promo code OUTSIDERS now to get a free $100. You can double your deposit up to $100. So that's that's been a lot of fun to do over the last couple of weeks. You're in one of those states where gambling is not legal. Is that correct? I'm actually in uh, one where it is legal now. I moved from Louisville, uh, suburb of Louisville, to southern Indiana. Uh, so okay. pretty much Louisville, but different state, different law. So I'm able to do it now for the past uh, – you've been here about a year. So fortunately, I can do do all of it pretty much. Well, I find it's great anyway to have a couple of different stakes in a couple of different places. Sometimes underdog has the better mm-hmm. over-unders, better props along the way. And then when it comes time to gamble in Jersey, everything's legal. Yeah. But it's yeah. great to have, be able to go in a couple of different directions and get the best stakes, the best odds. Yeah, and that's one thing I've found over the last couple of weeks when doing these. DraftKings, it seems like, has the better line, a point lower. Like, we'll get to the rushing rushing lines at the end for Monday Night Football. But there were a lot last week where I remember saying, hey, you know, the line is set at 61.5, but DraftKings at 60.5. Yeah. Uh, so those have been pretty good that I've noticed from ours, at least on Monday night. So, like you said, shop around, get the best ones you can get. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, starting, I mentioned we'll get into the big news. I think the big news of the day is the Pro Bowl, the death of the Pro Bowl, as we've known it since, I think, 1951, I saw. Um, 
really not a surprise to see them go in this direction. If you haven't heard yet, they're going in more of a kind of mini game style skills competition like you see in the NBA in a flag football game. Uh, a couple of points that I saw on this, you know, really not surprising. I said they moved to this. The, the viewership was pretty bad, dropped to 6.7 million just this past uh, February, down from 8 million in 2020, the lowest it was since 2006. They mm-hmm. did see uh, kind of a resurgence there in the mid or early 2010s, uh, 11 to 13-ish million from 2010 to 14, dropped off a little bit. There was a little bit of a surge, but lately no one watches that. They don't try. I sent it in my group of friends and like everyone said, good. They don't try. It's boring. We don't want to watch it anyway. So I, I imagine that you're not, uh, you're not too upset about this, uh, the, the, the death of the Pro Bowl, as you said. Yeah, it outlived its usefulness as like a game, a promotional tool. Mm-hmm. Maybe when I was a child, it kind of was outliving its usefulness. But the, the one thing it had for many decades was it might have been your only chance to see some of these out-of-town players like before satellite dishes, before cable packages, before Thursday night games, et cetera. This might be your one chance to see Justin Herbert or something like that was that game because you would never see the Chargers on the East Coast. That's been gone for years. So it doesn't really serve a purpose anymore except to name the team and so that we can say this guy's a pro bowler, he gets his incentive on his contract. We can put a little star next to him in pro football reference. That's fine. The game itself doesn't matter. Now, you said you and your friends don't watch it. I almost – purposely don't watch it that's usually when i'm packing for the super bowl and i want to spend a couple hours not in football mode that's a career thing but you don't watch that if there was a all the quarterbacks are playing a skins game in golf Mm -hmm. would you watch that absolutely (laughs) (laughs) what about all the young wacky rookies and tight ends guys like george kittle and all these guys playing a cornhole tournament yeah on like tuesday night would you watch that absolutely (laughs) yeah Beer Pong is sponsored by a soda company because they wouldn't actually do beer. Yep. You'd watch the hell out of that. Yes. That's yeah, and it, yeah. And I've always enjoyed that about NBA. I don't, I'm not an NBA fan really at all. Uh, more college basketball being from Kentucky. Uh, uh-huh. we, we've got a ton of college basketball close by Indiana and stuff. Just never got into it. But one thing I always would watch when I was younger is I would tune into the, the dunk contest, the skills competition, the three-point contest. Uh-huh. Those have always been a ton of fun. Um, and you know, basketball, I think football has always been the hardest, uh, all-star game. If you will, just because of the physicality of it, and you're at the end of the season. It right. doesn't make sense to put it in the middle of the season because of injuries at right. the end of the season, guys are worn out. They're tired. They don't want to get hurt because you're already, you know, what, six months from, from preseason for the next right. season already, you have a, a serious injury. You miss the whole next year. Uh, so it's not worth it. Whereas, you know, baseball, basketball, it's it, it's easier because it's not as physically taxing on you and not as high risk of injury, I guess, you see in the that. Um, NHL, though, All-Star Game, I think, is a pretty big thing. I don't follow hockey too much. Um, it's from what I was looking at this morning, too. The NFL, the Pro Bowl actually did better uh, than the NHL All-Star Game did, at least I think that was years ago. I don't know if that's still the case. That's a physical sport, but still not as physical, it seems, as, as football is with, when you see those injuries a lot of times. And they're clever about the star-studded hoopla in the NHL. Nobody does star-studded hoopla like the NBA. But when when we say that the Pro Bowl did bad, the Pro Bowl did NFL bad. The Mm -hmm. Pro Bowl's ratings are like a Yankees-Red Sox game ratings. That's about comparable. That's that's not worth the squeeze for the NFL when you talk about players' resistance to being involved in it Mm -hmm. and injuries, et cetera. I know useful titles just said flag football, nothing bad can happen there. Just think about Robert Edwards. First name that came into my head was Robert Edwards. He was a rookie sensation for the New England Patriots many years ago. They were playing a skills competition like beach football game, and he tore 
the daylights out of his ACL. I think this is going to be like the NBA's weird celebrity game where they have a mixture of all kinds of people. I have a funny feeling this flag football game, we're going to see stars of other sports and, uh, you know, music personalities and television personalities running around out there with Eli Manning or whoever throwing them the ball. I think that's what we're heading towards with this. Yeah, like the celebrity uh, softball game in baseball is always a fun yeah. one to watch, too, because you see those different people. Some are really good. Some aren't. Some are different athletes. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's one thing I actually think of when it comes to flag football, the way if it is, you know, a traditional game, you've still got guys cutting and stuff, like you said, yeah. maybe even more so, um, you know, in that situation. But you, you still you don't have the physicality of getting tackled on every play and, and that type of stuff. So I think. It, obviously, in the long run, it's it's better. Um, it, it's not as taxing on you. But yeah, there's definitely still the risk of a guy, you know, going all out, cutting and just going down, which you you would hate to see. And you know, it's going to come up when the first injury happens, like it always does. But right, right, and the guy, who, right, the guy who the season's been over for a couple of weeks, a little bit out of training, was at this week of All Star events, goes out with the mm-hmm. wife and dinner, has a big dinner, has a couple of cocktails with the guys afterwards. Next game, he's out there a little dehydrated. That's where the injury comes from. These are all factors, but you know what? Again, if it's a bunch of rappers and pop stars and and basketball players out there with the players, I don't think it's going to be too intense. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I think everyone, I haven't seen any, any negative uh, reaction this morning to it. Uh, Like I said, a lot of input from players, coaches, GMs, and everyone seemed to be for it. So I like it. Add add a little bit more excitement, maybe bring, you know, people are going to tune in the first one definitely. So they're going to have to put on, put on a show to people keep people coming back in the, the following years for it. But I think it's a good thing. So I think we're in agreement there and not, not too many people disagree there. So yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. And, and that's gone, but we've got some other big news too. Some big questions after week three, like you said, started off hot, went kind of downhill there, but some, some big games really first kind of the first question we've got is about the NFC. Uh, we knew coming into this, the AFC kind of had the the young up-and-coming quarterbacks, the stars, NFC aging quarterbacks, just not really as good. Through three weeks, albeit no opponent adjustments in DVOA yet, but only three of the top ten teams in DVOA are in the NFC. So what, what do you make of that with this uh, early start, or what, just through a few weeks of the season? Now, the three teams, by the way, are the Eagles, mm-hmm. the Packers, and the Buccaneers, who just played each other. Pa- Packers yep. have a big win. And I think the Eagles are first in DVOA right now? Or? I think sec- second or third, actually. I think Buffalo is still at the top. Yeah. Um, that's all correct. I know Aaron uh, and tweeted it out not too long right. ago. And was up there. It is dominated with AFC teams. And one of the things we're seeing is, I think all of us agreed, the Buccaneers and Packers, we expected them to be near the top of the standings. But then nobody else in the NFC has stepped up in any way, whereas the AFC is full of teams like the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. who have now rose up. They're number two. That's right. They're number two. They run it down for us real quick. Yeah, so we've got Buffalo, Jacksonville, Baltimore, Philadelphia four, yeah. Tampa Bay at five, Cleveland at six, Kansas City seventh, San Francisco is eighth. They're the other uh, NFC team. Green Bay is actually not in it. I forgot about that. And then oh, okay. Denver and Miami. Aaron said, yes, San Francisco and Denver, they're both top five on defense. Uh, yes. Again, no opponent adjustments in here, so some of these could adjust pretty big after, I think it's after next week, right, opponent adjustments. Are implemented after week four. Yeah, um, yeah, San Francisco, the other NFC team, which is surprising, <laughs> I think. There's just so many NFC teams. Yeah, my God, the 49ers that don't seem like they're trying to reach that elite level. Mm-hmm. It really, uh, we entered the season saying Packers, Buccaneers, Rams, and then sort of the Eagles 49ers tier. And then 
these group of rebuilding teams mixed with the cousins teams. You know, yeah. the teams were like, here it is. Here's our quarterback who's been doing this for a couple of years. Doesn't appear to have any success moving forward. You know, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, uh, Winston, really, when we get right down to yeah. it. And we're just going to do this. We're just doing this season. And then you had rebuilding teams at the bottom. There's always rebuilding teams. You don't have that at all in the AFC teams. Every AFC team, every team, short of like the Texans, was going for some sort of gusto this year. Mm-hmm. And that's paying dividends right now. And it's such so tough, too, that you almost think – you always hate to say the regular season games don't mean as much, but when you've got uh, less competition, you know, less good teams in the NFC, right. it's like, you know, you can get into the playoffs with less wins probably than you can in the AFC, but at the same time you've got AFC teams that are going to beat up on each other and right. cause each other, uh, you know, maybe it's not get as many wins. But right, well, when I was looking at it, though, I do – I still think the NFC's best. I can compete with the AFC's best. You said the AFC that's got teams that are over 500 are just better. Yeah. Um, most of the teams under 500 in the NFC were expected. You've got Arizona, Seattle, Washington, Atlanta, Detroit, Carolina. Detroit is better. We know they, they play hard, uh, yeah. but we didn't expect really big things out of them. So it's pretty much we expected the AFC teams under 500 had better projections. They could still get there. You've got the Chargers, the Bengals, and even the Raiders. Oh, and three, we didn't expect really a ton out of them. Um, but that whole AFC West was projected the top 15, top half of the league in our preseason projection so a little surprising but teams that still have the potential to get there whereas nfc any of those teams you see in the bottom you were not really expecting them to suddenly jump up and and be good (laughs) at any point in the season right remember everybody's still playing everybody else in conference i believe there have been 10 intra interconference games right now i think the nfc is six and four in those so the nfc has been holding its own short of some high profile games like the opener where the bills just just boat race the rams Um, but so, so, you know, it's hard to tell necessarily by record, some teams overvalued and some teams appear undervalued, but you're right. It looks like in the NFC, like the level of competition, again, a team like the Vikings could look at their roster at the beginning of the season. Like this is fine in this conference. We're going to go nine and eight. Yep. Whereas they're in the ASC, they, they, this is six and 11. If we don't make a maneuver right now, we're going to waste this year and we're going to be in doubt for how we're going to proceed moving forward. Yeah, and you mentioned a team like Minnesota are also there in a division where really the only competition is Green Bay. I know we'll get to something similar to this a little later on, but Chicago at 2-1, and one, I don't think there's any way that lasts. They just look – they don't look good. Their wins have come against San Francisco in that crazy game week one and then Houston and then got crushed by Green Bay. So that that's one that won't last. And that's one of the, the few teams up there that I think you know won't, won't, won't last going forward. I don't know where the 49ers are really going to go moving mm-hmm forward at this point too they're high because of their defense you know i think their defense is going to be fine but like that was if that was the garoppolo experience remember it's not even like good garoppolo it's i didn't have training camp garoppolo Mm -hmm. that's even different that's the level below and beneath here so i don't see them sticking around too and it's hard to tell who's going to rise up the giants let's not even talk about them too i know they're not going to in the pack i don't know who the answer is the cardinals would have been one of those teams they look like a joke right now Mm -hmm. the the Commanders will be fine because now we have all these receivers around Carson. Well, yeah. that, theory, that theory shot. So yeah. I don't know where those teams are coming from. I can see the Raiders putting on a, a run. Obviously, we can all see the Bengals putting on a run. Some of these NFC teams, it's like, yeah. well, if it happens, it's because they played other corny teams. Yeah, teams that, <clears throat> depending on their schedule, like you said, the Raiders, we saw they, they went on a, a roll uh, before in Cincinnati. We saw go on a huge run at the end of the year. And, you mentioned the Garoppolo too, not having, you know, training camp, I, you know, going through you no know, preseason because expecting, you know, Lance, he was recovering from his 
from uh, the shoulder surgery that he had. Lance is going to be the starter, but also expecting to get traded pretty much any day, waking up like I'm not going to be here now. He's the starter, so uh, we'll see. We Like we said last week, we know what we're going to get from him. You don't have the ups. You don't have the really big downs that you may have had with Lance. Um, but, you know, one that we've got. Uh, <laughs> saw really, we saw a really big down last night. <laughs> yeah, big down there. Uh, actually kind of saved them. But one quarterback I do I want to transition to that we do know what we're going to get and we're seeing a lot of really good from him is Lamar Jackson. Yes. Is he – your MVP front runner right now? He's got to be the MVP front runner. We just saw Josh Allen, who I think was most people's front runner, have a weaker performance. We have not seen a weak performance yet at all from Lamar Jackson. And what we're seeing is a different Lamar Jackson than we've seen. I, I know every year we go back and we talk about the, uh, you know, oh, well, the pocket passer, and is he a pocket passer, et cetera, et cetera. He really is a pocket passer right yeah. now. Plus, a pocket passer with the ability to do design runs and scramble out of trouble. Looks phenomenal as a conventional quarterback right now. He's only plus 700 to win MVP right now. I, I know he's in there with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and hello, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Up at the top of the list. But, you know, in terms of a guy with a track record of excellence who has added a new element to his game right now, I love Jackson. Yeah, he's been awesome. I think Tom Stracken, one of our uh, contributors uh, as well that I do the, the fantasy embedding show with on Thursday, uh, tweeted or quote tweeted something saying, you know, there was all the talk about Lamar struggling against the Blitz and this and that and had, I think, three touchdowns against the Blitz wow. yesterday. Three touchdown passes was very good. He's second in passing DYR so far, first in DVOA, would be sixth in rushing DYR among running backs, fifth in DVOA among running backs, and he's tied for fourth overall in rushing yards. Uh, so just been awesome so far. And, you know, playing the Dolphins, the, the Dolphins uh, had a great game. You know, we know they lost. That wasn't his fault. He put up a bunch of points. The defense that just did pretty well against Buffalo. Um, like doing it against, you know, a New England defense, that's not not what it was last year, but they're no slouches. You know, I think they were still top 10 coming into this week. Um, just putting it out, like I said, looking just on a different level. And Jalen Hurts is one you mentioned that you said he's top three. I think right. for right now it would be between him and Lamar. I never want to throw out Josh Allen, but just looking strictly at first three games, those those two guys have had great games in the first three games. Um, Allen didn't have a terrible game yesterday, but obviously they lost and wasn't up to his standards. So, yeah, those two, it would be tough, but I would lean Lamar as well with you right now, I think. Right. Um, but, yeah, Jalen Hurts definitely is up there. Yeah, by the way, Josh Allen's plus 300. You expect him to be sticky after a so-so yeah. performance. I mean, it'd be silly for him to be bouncing around in the market like that. Hertz is at plus 600. Mahomes plus 700. Lamar at plus 700. I, I'm going to erase Patrick Mahomes right now. He has to play significantly better moving forward to be in that range. Tua is at plus 1,400. Justin Herbert is at plus 1,500. Herbert is hurt. We just got word a couple of minutes ago to uh, tackle uh, uh, Christian Darasaw. Is that the right guy? Or, oh, no, Slater. Sean Slater. Yeah. I, I get them mixed up. Their names yeah. mixed up. Uh, he's out for the year. So we can, wow. I think we can erase Justin Herbert, I think, from the MVP race as well. At this point. Yeah. He would have to, and we know he can. He would have to do a whole, put up some big performances, uh, even with, you know, some struggles around him, which he can do. But yeah, I think it's safe to, to, to knock him down a bit uh, in that, that race there, especially, like you said, the injury he's dealing with that could. Um, I'm not exactly sure on the specifics of the, the medical, how it works, but I imagine that's something that could get worse if he gets hit or it gets up, you know, make it, getting another injury in that same spot. 
he played he plays in the Chargers, so the Chargers medical staff is not really up on all the medical uh, issues with Herbert's injury. So that's exactly how he got his first start. <laughs> that's how he got here in the first place. <laughs> yeah, snappy with Terod Taylor, which apparently uh, just but my wife is athletic trainer and uh, in you know medical field and kind of aspire for more, but said that that was actually not too uncommon to hear that happen. Uh, huh. When I told her that, but in the NFL with a starting quarterback. It's pretty uncommon in that situation for that to happen, I think. This ain't an urgent care situation where yeah. you came running in after, you, you know, you got into a fender bender or something. Right. This is the NFL. Yeah, and I think t- uh, Taylor's now suing their medical staff, I think I saw last week, uh, yeah. for that or the, the procedure there. But yeah, we won't digress too far. Um, we'll move on to another. We'll stick in with the quarterbacks today, I think. Russell Wilson, we talked about that game last night, wasn't great. Uh, he had no touchdown passes, only like 126 yards or something, like 89 or 90. Something of them went to Cortland Sutton, which mm-hmm. sucked for me. I was playing against him in fantasy, so that that wasn't <laughs> – I woke up and was like, oh, hopefully Sutton didn't do much. But was it a mistake, you think, for them to trade for – for the Broncos to trade for Russell Wilson the way things have gone so far? It's – I mean, it's too early to tell. Sometimes I put something like that out there, like, here, it, it was a mistake, and we use it as, like, a meme or whatever. It's too early to tell right now. The problem, I think, is they brought Wilson in, they brought Hackett in, and they didn't have a good integrated plan moving forward to how they were going to put that together. I don't know what this team's offensive identity is whatsoever. I don't know who they're trying to get the ball to in any given week. Is it Javante Williams, or are we benching him for some reason? Is it the Cortland Sutton show, or is he just our deep threat? Who is KJ Hamler? Where is KJ Hamler? Why is KJ Hamler? Like, we don't know any of these things. The team looks out of sync. There's passes getting dropped. There's passes that look like they're, like, mistimed, and that's why they're getting dropped. Obviously, all the clock management thing is a disaster. Yeah. And so, and so it's like this should be a short window. Try to win a championship soon, team. Hackett, Wilson has to be figured out quickly, not over the course of a season. Yeah, and Russ said after the game, you know, they're just off on a few things. They're nearly there. He said, you know, a deep ball to Jerry Judy they just missed, which, you know, like you said, it, it's in the short term. You know, they're figuring things out. He came in. Uh, I don't think got any preseason reps. Uh, still working through it. You would expect them with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, the talent they have, to be a lot better uh, yes. early. We didn't expect it to look that bad. But, uh, the, you know, when we were when I was thinking about it this morning, he's still better than the alternative, which – would have been Drew Locke and maybe, you know, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know if he would have stuck around. Um, mm-hmm. But I would take Russell Wilson over Drew Locke any day of the, <laughs> the week. So it could be worse. Um, they're still tied for first in their division at, at, at two and one um, with, with the Raiders struggling, uh, the Chiefs having their first loss. So, I mean, they've got a lot of a lot of season left to get it together and still even be able to win this division. Right. And that's it. They could be three and oh. And forget the fourth down 70,000 yard field goal or whatever that was. They could be three enough. They didn't fumble at the goal line a couple of times against yeah. the Seahawks. Like that's how close it is to that. So yeah, they have a way of figuring these things out. It's just, there needs to be urgency to figure this out. I don't think this whole plan was, I'm going to bring Russell Wilson in and do another three year rebuilding program. Okay. It's meant to, it's meant to be, we're going to win in the short term. We've been rebuilding for six years. It's time to do something else. And that's what they, that's what they should be aiming for. Yeah, they finally have been wanting a quarterback for so long since Peyton Manning was there. They finally got a quarterback, and it's not going well so far. But I would would uh, expect them to get it going, like I said, with Russell Wilson, with the talent they have. Hackett has 
proven that he can that he, he's been successful with his work in Jacksonville with with Blake Bortles that year in that offense that that uh, <laughs> we're decent enough you know down there but that yeah. being in Green Bay the last couple of years they've been been good so I think I, I would give him you know the benefit of the doubt like so Russell Wilson as well we've seen what he can do uh, but they're gonna have to get it together soon I think yeah yeah uh, Bosky ninety three. Jackson Pollock looks at the Broncos offense and says, this is a mess. The Jackson Pollock offense is the Cardinals offense. That's just paint thrown all over creation by Cliff Kingsbury. That's the one that, that Pollock would be inspired by. And he also mentions, will the Pro Bowl be in turn next to the playoff ball? Ian, did you know that the teams that lost, the, it wasn't the conference championships, but it was like the NFL like semifinals. Right. Two teams that go on to the championship, the, there would be a consolation ball between the two teams that lost. I may or may not have. I'm honestly, it sounds sounds right, but <laughs> it sounds like nightmare fuel, doesn't yeah. it? Like you, you could imagine like last year's Chiefs facing uh, last year's who uh, it would be the Packers, wouldn't it? Last year, no, it was the no, uh, no, Forty Niners. Yep. Talk about a game no one would watch. I think I think it died because Vince Lombardi was supposed to play in the Packers in it once, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, no, no. It's like that meme of, of Bugs Bunny, no, and that was the end of the playoff ball. So yes, there, there's a little graveyard. The game where the college all-stars played the NFL all-pros would also be in that same graveyard. Ooh. Yes, and it's a very spooky place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we we don't want to talk about it. So it is spooky season, though, so we have to have to talk about it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, the, the Pro Bowl, no more playoff bowl, not not a thing. So we're <laughs> thankful for that. Yes. Uh, one thing we're not thankful for ever is injuries. And there was a pretty big one, the biggest of the week, I think, Mac Jones, uh, high ankle sprain. Um just saw, I think, before we came on, uh, saying it's pretty severe. Um, going to be yeah. a fairly extended absence there. I think pretty. It, uh, you could say that it's devastating. It's your starting quarterback, a young quarterback. But we we mentioned this after the Miami game. You know, we weren't worried necessarily about New England because we weren't really expecting much from them. Mac Jones hasn't been great. He's only twenty second in DYR, twenty first in DVOA through the first couple games. So, like, they, they haven't been a very good team. Their win was against Pittsburgh, who doesn't really have an offense either. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky hasn't looked good. Right. How bad is this for the Patriots, uh, I guess, in their future season outlook? Yeah. Well, I mean, this season is toast. They're going yeah. to struggle to put at 10 points a week if it's Brian Hoyer running this paint-by-numbers set Matt Patricia mm-hmm. offense. And, you know, this is by no means the end of Bill Belichick's time. That would be silly to suggest. Right. It's not the end of Mac Jones's time. That would be silly to suggest. It's the end of this little micro era of the Patricia experiment as coordinator, the judge experiment as a coordinator, and this weird little, hey, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and all these guys, this is how mm-hmm. we're going to run our offense now. This is going to be the death knell for that one. This is Belichick's, he's going to look at this. They're going to be, you know, two and seven in a couple of weeks or whatever. He's going to say, time to come up with a new direction. Time to make some phone calls. Time to get Bill O'Brien back here to run the offense or something like that. Draft some real receivers, attract some real receivers, and move on with it. This was a fun little meme, really, for like the last three years, going back to the cam thing. But it's time to come up with a real post-Tom Brady direction because this ain't working. Yeah, and they, you mentioned Brian Hoyer is the likely fill-in for now. They've got Bailey Zappi, who they they drafted, but um, not, I don't think expected to step in, you know, anytime yeah. soon. Brian Hoyer looked up as one in twelve in his last thirteen starts, dating back to twenty sixteen. That was with Chicago, San Francisco, Indianapolis, and New England. Played in five games last year. I didn't start any. Had 
It was nine for 11 on 41 snaps, only threw the ball 11 times coming in, right. you know, in the games and things. So not great. Um, the former Patriots linebacker, when I was looking up this morning, Ted Johnson in a, uh, article was quoted on NBC sports saying, you know, they can still win with Ryan Hoyer. And he cited their schedule coming up after green Bay this week with Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, the Jets, the Colts, the Jets, and Minnesota. That doesn't sound like a schedule that they can be okay and win, win against with a Brian Hoyer at quarterback in this team that already hasn't been good this year. You know what that is? That's insular New England guy thinking, well, we're so much more awesome than everybody else that the rest of the league doesn't exist and we can beat these teams. You know, that's right. looking at the Browns who are very strong this year. That's looking at the Colts who I like to make fun of but are coming off of a win. That's looking past the Packers. That's one in three once you lose to the Packers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the Lions, of course, like you said, are a stronger team than can beat Detroit. Yeah, or can lose to Detroit. They can lose to the Jets very easily yeah. with what we've seen right now. If you replace Mac Jones with essentially a, a quarterback's coach playing, that's pretty much what mm-hmm. Brian Hoyer is, or Bailey Zappi, who was you know this mid-major guy who maybe if you stuck him behind the most clever offense of the world, he could be he could be feisty. Yeah. This is going to be bad. Okay, and I think most Patriots fans are sort of quietly saying, "Yeah, this is." This is done. This was cute. We were already moving away from it. Uh, and it's time for the team to think the same way. Yeah. And Bailey, Zappi said uh, he played at Western Kentucky uh, his last season in college, which is where I spent a semester uh, oh. back in my days uh, going for meteorology until I realized how much physics was involved and said, I don't <laughs> like physics. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Uh, still an interest of mine, but not a, not a career. But set the FBS records for passing yards and touchdown passes in a season back in 2021. 5,967 yards and 62 touchdown passes. So, like you said, mid-major, you know, not high-level competition, but, I mean, could maybe step in and be decent, you know, if given the opportunity, like has – obviously his athletic was drafted. Um, We've seen – you know, that's not to say everyone that gets drafted can be a good quarterback, obviously. But putting up numbers like that, there may be something there that he could could do in a a decent system for him. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't expect anything. We, We both kind of agreed. We didn't expect much out of New England in the first place. Um, so yeah, things are, are going downhill for them. So it, it might not be pretty this year. <laughs> yeah. Zappy, when I scouted him real good, stationary shotgun spread type of formation, standing perfectly still pick, 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 pick. That's not the Patricia. That's not the right. Patricia offense. And is that the hill? Western Kentucky was the hilltoppers. Yep. That's right. There you go. So you were supposed to stand at the top of the hill. Yeah, we got a big – all my classes were at the top of the hill. So the first – it was my spring semester when I transferred down there and uh, walked it a little bit because I didn't mind it. And then it got really cold and rainy, and I decided I'm just going to take the the campus shuttle up to the top of this hill because I don't feel like walking this every day. (laughs) Right. I I don't do hills at my age anymore. Yeah. Um, Nice campus, though. Yeah. Chris Thomason has a question near and dear to my heart. Do you all think uh, Damian Pierce is a fantasy starter moving forward? I'm the biggest Damian Pierce fan in the world because, of course, he is the proud papa of three pit bulls. Um, okay. But from a fantasy standpoint, I yield to you, Ian. You've got an opinion right now? Uh, honestly, I haven't followed. Uh, I, I know he got a lot of work in week two. I didn't see what he did yesterday. Um, I haven't gotten into the fantasy stuff yet this week. That'll be this afternoon. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I didn't see what he did. Looks like 20 rushes, 80 yards, and a touchdown, had a couple catches. I mean, we saw him. I think if the volume's with any running back, if he's going to get the volume and he's going to catch some passes, and they, from what I saw in the preseason, they said, you know, he can be a three-down back. Like we've talked about, too, uh, with Tom. Tom, it's Rex Burkhead there. 
uh, who got a lot of the work in week one, but he's been around forever. And Damian Pierce, you know, has has shown that he can can be good in the preseason, look good, was a hot name. Uh, went a little bit higher than I think he probably should have in, in drafts just because he wrote, went up so quickly. But, I mean, could pay off. And um, I see his other question there, CeeDee Lamb getting 24 points tonight. I hope he doesn't. Uh, I'm also playing – I need him to score less than like 10 points to win in one of my <laughs> leagues as well. Uh, we'll get – we actually will get to our props – uh, later for that game and cover that game at the end of the show. Um, it's funny because Noah Brown has actually led them in receiving the first couple yeah. weeks. Yeah, Lamb's got twenty or twenty-two targets through two games, so they're going to try and throw him the ball. Just depends, I think, on how how the Giants go uh, if they just kind of try and shut him down and or if, uh, how they play that one tonight. Do you have an opinion on that one with Ceedee Lamb? How you think that game might go? I'm not even going to think about the Cooper Rush Cowboys. I kind of got a win with them in his first start, and I'm backing away from it. In terms of Pierce. Had some goal line carries, thumping from the eye formation, breaking a lot of tackles. Did have two fumbles, one lost. Okay. The lost fumble came later in the game. He kind of disappeared for Burkhead after that, mm-hmm. as Lovey had a little panic attack about the young man. So, And I think ball security can be an issue, especially for a guy like Pierce. If you see his style, it's like, I'm going to break the 15th tackle. And that's when the guy strips the ball yeah. out. So uh, moving forward, I think he's a fantasy starter. You know, but there is a concern that we might see him rotating with Burkhead more if ball security is a worry. Absolutely, yeah. So again, we'll get we'll talk a little bit more about that game tonight as well when we get there. As far as Ceedee Lamb and the rest of the uh, Giants and Cowboys go, in a pretty boring game that we'll talk about. But um, moving on here, we want to talk about some upstart teams. They won in Week Three. Uh, there's only a few undefeated teams left. Which upstart who won the week are you most impressed by mike it's the dolphins it's the dolphins and uh, uh you know each time they win we uh, put a little asterisk next to it you know oh well that was just a fluky comeback in week two. Yeah. Oh, the injuries got and the heat got to the bills and they were cramping and then in week one well the patriots well they're not that good anyway and it was sort of a strip sick play and then a big Guys, if you keep winning a variety of different ways against quality opponents, it means you're good. And it doesn't matter what we think exactly of Tua at this point. He is good for the system they're doing right now, where he knows he's got all these deep weapons, all these yak weapons. He's playing within himself, and they're playing well enough overall to keep them deep in a playoff run. Yeah, one of the the few undefeated teams left that I mentioned, I think there's only two. Uh, well. The two three and O teams. We got the Giants that are still undefeated. We got the Dolphins yeah. and Eagles. My, I thought you would say Dolphins there, okay. so I went a different route. I do believe I was very impressed by them, but the Jaguars for me um, could very easily be three and O. We've mentioned a few times on different shows that they hurt themselves a lot in Week One against Washington, and very very easily or probably should have won that game. You yeah. know how that works. They're still they're two and one. They crushed an Indianapolis team who we thought was you know that was a, not maybe as impressive as a win last week because of the way Indianapolis looked, but after beating Kansas City, you know, that win looks even better. Uh, we thought I thought the Chargers game could cause them trouble just because that Chargers defense has been very good. Yep. But one handily and it's just you know what a difference a coaching staff makes. We've also mentioned yep. that everyone in the world has talked about that. Just yep. inserting Doug Peterson for the Urban Meyer train wreck has yep. done wonders. And Trevor Lawrence just looks so much better this year and so much more comfortable than he did last year. And I'm I'm impressed by them. I honestly didn't think that they would would win that game uh, and to win it the way they did. Again, injured Justin Herbert. Keenan Allen wasn't back in that game, although we thought he was going to be. But that's an impressive win, 38-10 to 10, uh, on the road against the Chargers. Uh, I was very impressed by them. 
Yeah, and it looks more and more like the Jaguars are going to be a pretty solid team. I'm not putting them in the Super Bowl, but they're going to be this team that in week one, it wasn't even like they had a bad game. It's like they had a bad first quarter, and then they gave up a couple plays in the fourth quarter. In the middle of that game, they were playing well. So it's almost like they were already figuring their problems out in week one, and now we're seeing a much better team as a result. Yeah, they're very impressed. Now on the other side, there are some contenders who lost in week three. Which are you most worried about? We saw the Bucks lose, the Bills lose, the Chiefs, the Saints lost. Um, any of those teams, or, or is there another team that you're more worried about that lost in week three that we're expecting a little bit more from? It was the Chiefs. You look at the Bills and say, well, you're playing a, you know, a really strong team in the heat with the injuries, and you were down to the last minute. The Buccaneers, everybody's injured. They played the Packers. It's nip and tuck. The Chiefs' offense looked miserable and their coaching decisions looked weak and the defense actually played fine but like they, they need to be better than this this is like it's the flip side of the jaguars like the jaguars at the beginning of week one couldn't figure things out and then they look good the chiefs came out on fire and like put up 21 points in 10 seconds on the cardinals and they've been losing ground ever since and that's the, the trajectory that is worrisome about the chiefs is that they're getting figured out as the season goes on. They're falling apart. The things that they thought were going to be working aren't working. And that's a problem for a team that wants to sort of bounce back and still be in the Super Bowl conversation. Yeah, and they very easily could be, and we said last week, maybe should be one and two here. That Chargers game, again, we talked about the mistakes the Chargers made, uh, dropping interceptions, the pick six. Like, it could be a lot worse for Kansas City than it is now. I went New Orleans, not that they were really one of the top contenders, we knew that the defense would be really good. They're currently 10th overall. The success, and this was in that the chapter of the Almanac for the Saints, would depend on the offense. And it right. hasn't been pretty aside from that fourth quarter in week one that come back against the Falcons. So that's not really all that impressive. Um, <laughs> but the deep, the offense is only 25th. Jameis is banged up. Kamara is banged up. I uh, saw him come back yesterday, lose the fumble that ended up being a return for a touchdown. It's just – I, they're not looking great. Uh, we know what Jameis can do, and we know what Jameis can do when it comes to the interceptions. Had two interceptions yesterday. Uh, like I said, they weren't really that top tier of contenders, but no. that's they, they should not have lost to the Panthers yesterday, and they did not. They weren't really even in that game for most of it. It seemed like right, and, and you know that that's the thing. The defense we had projected them to be a number one, two, or three defense. It's a tenth defense. That's a little bit different. It means it can't just win the games by themselves. And the yeah. offense, I was just looking it up here. I know I mentioned it in, in walkthrough. 13 points in the first three quarters through three games. So 13 total points wow. through three games in the first three quarters. And then you had a little late comeback against the Panthers. You had the significant comeback against the Falcons. You do not want to be the team that's in the Panthers-Falcons zone yeah. here. That's not where you want to be. When you spend all this money, when Jameis is sort of like your face of the future – and you have this veteran lineup. So it's a very, very shaky start for the Saints. You're right. Yeah, and I do think um, I didn't see a ton of that game, um, given the the nature of the game. We're trying to focus yeah. on some others. But I think Michael Thomas and Landry were hurt at one point, I believe. I don't know if they came back in. So yeah. they've got some other guys. Chris Olave had a big day. Um, right. uh, his first really big game, I think, as a rookie, after he had 54, 64 air yards the week before. Uh, had like eight catches for 100-something yards yesterday. So it was pretty good. But, yeah, you don't want to be trusting. You know, he was pretty good last year, but Jameis isn't somebody you want to be trusting to uh, carry your team uh, when you've, you're in that city. You've got He's got a ton of talent around him. 
he's Jameis, he's Jameis, he's Jameis, he's Jameis, he's Jameis. And we keep trying to create this theoretical Jameis who's not Jameis and say, well, that guy's going to win. And it's been eight years. That, yeah. That's not who he is. This is who he is. It was another multi-interception game. Again, those came late when they right. was already trying to lead the comeback, but that's who he is. So we'll move into a new segment that we're, we're trying called our winner of the week this week. Uh, kind of our week three MVP maybe won't be an obvious one. Um, Going to have some fun with it, you know, but I went with one that might be kind of obvious, and that's Khalil Herbert from the Bears. David Montgomery left that game early after just three carries. Herbert took 20 carries for 157 yards and two touchdowns. Mm, Pretty yeah. much single-handedly carried Chicago to that win. They won on a field goal uh, at the very end. But Justin Fields was just 8 of 17, two interceptions. The Bears have the fewest completions, the fewest passing attempts, had the fewest passing yards going into this past week. It's ugly there, and he just had a huge game stepping in after Montgomery got hurt. We've seen him have success in Montgomery's place before after injuries. There's a lot of offseason chatter about the new coaching staff maybe liking Herbert more than Montgomery and Montgomery right. not fitting in. Uh, Montgomery's gotten the bulk of the work. Uh, Herbert got a decent amount week one. Week two, it was pretty much all Montgomery. But this week, you know, Herbert stepped in and pretty much saved the Bears. They're 2-0, and not something like we mentioned at the top we expect to last. <laughs> but he's my MVP, my winner of the week for week three. How about you? Yeah, he did a phenomenal job, and he was fun to watch back there. Mine was maybe less fun to watch, but did a phenomenal job. Corliss Waitman, the Broncos punter, who dropped six punts inside the 20 last night. Now, both punters, Wishnowski was also phenomenal, mm-hmm. but Waitman's on the had, had a, more of a burden uh, to keep that team, you know, keep the 49ers pinned and, and, and sort of bail out that Broncos offense did it over and over and over again. And again, you know, it's a punter. We joke about, ah, oh, gosh, that game was nothing but punts. That performance kind of got the win. Okay, that performance helped create the Garoppoloization, the the Orlovskiization of Garoppolo going through the back of the end zone. So, big. And as a bonus, I love the name Waitman for a punter because it's like, oh, we're going to get the ball back. And he's like, wait, man, I'm going to punt. I'm going to put you in the five-yard line, so just wait. It's not going to be great, yeah. It's going to be great, yeah, so you wait. You just wait, man. I like that. And I did see on that one the, the tweet from the ESPN Stats and Info that uh, the Stars showed out on Sunday night, those two punters, combined to place three punts inside the five, which is tied for the most in a primetime NFL game over the last 20 years. So just an awesome performance. That's what everyone tuned in for was to see those two punters. Wanted to, to see them put on a show, and they did not disappoint. <laughs> the, the Pro Bowl punter competition to just show a replay of that game. Yes. <laughs> They'll call it the Pro Bowl punter competition. It'll be that, and the, uh, it reminds me of someone's mentioned the Madden mini games coming back, the, the coffin yes. corner punts. Like, that would be a fun one to watch. It's punters, but I would 100% tune in to watch those punters try and put it right in the corner. Oh, could we gamble on it? Then I'm there. <laughs> I, think, I imagine at this point we can gamble on just about anything. They've got. Who gets the most flags? Oh, <laughs> Who pulls the most flags, not not penalties. <laughs> but we'll go to the other side now. We we called the winner of the week. We're not going to call them losers of the week. We're going to use washout of the week. Uh, so for you, I'll let you go first on this one. Who was your your washout of the week for week three? I'm going with the Buffalo Bills conditioning department because I know it's hot. It's also still almost summer. Yeah. And you have to plan for things like the fact that your team is going to be going from Buffalo to Miami and you can't have Stefan Diggs cramping up in the fourth quarter when you need them to get down the field. And it was, I know the, the Bills ran a lot of plays. Offensive linemen were, were cramping up. Everybody was cramping up and it was limiting them. And again, 
I, I remember here in Philadelphia, people immediately say pickle juice. There was a 95 degree day in the heat and, and the Eagles ran all over. I believe it was the Cowboys because everybody drank pickle juice before the game. And that was their hydration secret. Well, I don't care if it's Gatorade or pickle juice or, or IVs or whatever, or just getting down there a, a day or two early. It's up to the Bills and their strength and conditioning department to prove this team's a Super Bowl team can overcome things like heat yeah. and deliver a win when they need to. Yeah, and Gatorade, you know, I know they're in Miami, but they're not far from the University of Florida uh, to get some of the Gatorade for them on the sidelines there to help right. them out. Right. They're not from, far from my Walgreens to get Gatorade right. to help them out. Come on, come on. Walgreens, Publix, anything down there. But for, <laughs> for me, it's the one you mentioned. It's come up a couple of times. Uh, for those of you watching, you've probably seen the play by now. Jimmy Garoppolo throws a five-ish yard pick six, but it's waved off. And why? Well, he stepped out of the back of the end zone for a safety, just like Dan Orlovsky. Um, <laughs> I think from, from seeing it and hearing people talking about it, uh, Orlovsky's is still worse because he kept running like he didn't even yeah. know he was out of the end zone and still looking <laughs> to pass the ball. But still, yeah. Garoppolo had a foot, I think, two feet down by the time he passed it. Uh, ended up being better than the pick six, actually, because – Denver offense hadn't scored a touchdown. They ended up missing a field goal in the ensuing possession. So gave up two points in the ball instead of six, got the ball back. But that's bad, especially for a guy like Garoppolo or any NFL quarterback. Garoppolo, he's been around for a while. We know that. He, right. he, he's, he's just, situational awareness is has to be a lot better than that. That's it. We talk about, oh, he's a veteran. He's going to come in and avoid mistakes. That's the kind of mistake you expect a sixth-round rookie to make. And you're paying a guy millions of dollars to avoid it. But like you said, yeah, it was better than the pick six. So maybe that was the veteran move. I'm going to try this risky pass, but I put my heel right on the white line there. So maybe it'll get called back. Good. Save him a little bit. The, another one, too, would be it happened in the end zone was the, the, the butt punt. I think they're calling it in Miami yes. Buffalo where it went off his butt and went out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. And I think that I didn't write about it. I think that was Trent Sherfeld, who's one of the best yeah. special teamers in the, in the league. And he's yeah. back there as a personal backs up, backs up, backs up. Takes it, <laughs> takes yeah, a punt off the uh, wrong. When good morning football today, I think they said he's not usually in that personal protector role, and uh, but still, yeah, you, when you've only got what ten yards to deal with, and you're halfway back to the punter, that's probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> right, not the best idea. <laughs> you have to be alert. Yeah, uh, Fred McAfee for years played for the Saints, and he was like their special teams captain. I always remember he was their personal protector for like twenty years. So maybe teams need to hire him as their personal protector coach, so things like this stop happening. Put him on the field. Probably what it would be still even better than what happened yesterday. Right. <laughs> uh, but that is, so we'll, we'll kind of go into um, a similar thing to wash out to people messing up. We'll start with our worst coaching decisions today. Uh, something we always cover. Um, for me, it was Dan Campbell, the field goal he did late. Um, and he was really good yesterday, but they were up three with a minute 14 left as a fourth and four on the Minnesota 36 kicked a field goal to do our one of our favorite things, and that's turn a one-score game into a one-score game. <laughs> Ended up missing the field goal. So oh. pretty much in the same situation as if you failed on fourth down, except now you're eight yards. You give them the ball in eight yards better field position uh, versus if you fail by gaining no yards. Um, Minnesota went down to score the game when he touched down anyway, but Campbell was four for six on fourth down this game. He went for it six times, failed on the prior drive, with three and a half minutes left, but it was a fourth and one at the Minnesota 30, same score. So he knew, hey, I don't want to kick the field goal here because partially, I guess, because it's a fourth and one versus a fourth and four. But choosing 
to kick the field goal now when it's the same thing where, okay, we go up from three to six, they can still beat us with a touchdown. So that was it. And I still give him the benefit of the doubt because he has been so good on, on fourth downs being aggressive, sometimes maybe too aggressive. Uh, But again, he was four, there were four for six this game and it, it helped them get in the lead and have the lead for most of that game. But a really a tough one down the stretch that, that cost them. Yeah, I didn't see that game, but I heard, like, they're throwing the game away. They're throwing the game away. And what CCX3 pointed out, like, it's refreshing that Campbell ate crow for it, too. Like, admitted his mistake. And Campbell's the dude as a result. I'll just say this. No coach loses winnable games and gets praised for it. Quite like Dan Campbell. Quite like Dan Campbell. And, again, I I, I like Need. Like, I I enjoy his thing, too. I think he does a lot of things right. But, boy, this team is really on this high of, look how great they're covering. Yeah, you know, and like it's been two years now. Let's see more than that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. CCX three also pointed out ironic that the AFC West has turned into a race at the bottom. I was realizing that like these teams do not look as strong as as we thought right now. Raiders zero and three, Chargers with all these injuries, and the Chiefs flailing. But uh, a lot of ball game left. We'll see. But it is trending in that direction. All right, is it my turn for the yeah, worst? Your worst decision, yeah. Ah, Chargers, where we're right there, leaving (laughs) Herbert in the game at the end when it was a hopeless cause, when he was already injured, when he's probably without his left tackle at that point. I don't have the the film in front of me. Brandon Staley leaves Herbert in the game late, and then afterwards explains, well, you know, Justin just wanted to be out there with his teammates. Well, that's what every quarterback says. That's what every athlete says. You're the coach. You have to look at that and say, potential injury moving forward. Future of the franchise, future of the season is, is Herbert. Get him out of there. And uh, Staley chose not to do it. Another week of questionable Staley decisions, mm-hmm. I think. So I would say that's two weeks in a row, same injury where he left Herbert in. A little bit closer. It was a lot closer last week against the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, kind of needed a miracle. They had to score the touchdown, get the onside kick. They got the touchdown, did almost get the onside kick. But this one, like I said, talking about the Jaguars earlier, 38-10. to 10, yeah. uh, it's, just, it's not worth it when he's already banged up, you know, if he wasn't injured already, maybe. But even then, a lot of times you see those guys come out, not because they want to. Like you said, Herbert said he wanted to stay in. But that's yeah. your job as a coach to to say, hey, you know what? Let's do what's best for the team before the game. There were you know, all the reports saying they were encouraging Justin Herbert to take the long view uh, as far as whether he should play or not. And he played, but who's, the coach you charge? got to Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Yeah. I think they, they sell this, and it's great because it makes Herbert look like, like I want to play no matter what, no matter what. You're passing responsibility on to, and now this is again Staley kind of like trying to, you know, make his bones in the NFL and like propel himself forward. You have to be careful that you're like recklessly endangering your quarter quarterback, yeah. and then when getting called on it, you're putting it on him. Yeah, be in charge, be the coach, make the decision. Yeah, and on the the flip side, I'll let you go first on this one. We'll, we'll trade spaces or trade places. The best coaching decision of the weekend. Well, uh, it was fourth and one. The uh, Jaguars were looking to put the, not to put the game away so much as to pull ahead to get some mm-hmm. get some space between them and the and the Chargers and Doug Peterson fourth and one, calls a goes for it, calls a running play pretty straightforward running play to Robinson, nice little formation where they had multiple tight ends to one side, good blocking scheme, and it turns into a fifty yard touchdown. Yeah. So you go for the gamble in fourth and one. I think it was it was close to midfield, mm-hmm. and you come away with an immediate touchdown that helps you seal away that win. Yeah, and that's two weeks in a row for you with Peterson yeah. on the, uh, talking with Jackson or against the Colts last year, last week, putting the game away with that touchdown from Trevor Lawrence. 
it's almost like there's a statue nearby of Doug Peterson deciding to go for it on fourth down that might influence my thinking. Yeah, I think he knows what he's doing. And like I said, you're, you're taking note for sure. For me, it was a little bit tougher. There wasn't anything as far as fourth down. I mentioned uh, on accident edge sports earlier for me, but that's where I come from and focusing on all the, the, the fourth down and win probability. There wasn't anything really great that stood out while I was watching the games and I was going back looking at the data. But one that, that I guess I went with was Frank Reich. He had three fourth down goes in this game, uh, but he had a big one late. Was fourth and one at his own 33 with 639 left in the game. Chooses to go for it. They're down by four at this point. It was five and a half percent increase in win probability. But it's a situation there's six minutes, 39 seconds left. They still had two timeouts left. A lot of times we see coaches punt this, especially Patrick Mahomes on the other side. He's already got a lead. You go for it, you don't get it. Already in field goal range. Um, don't have Harrison Butker, but still like, oh, he's going to get a touchdown, put us down 11 with right. five minutes left or run the clock out. In that situation, I think, though, you look at it, if they do go for it and they do score the touchdown, they're going to score pretty quick. Yeah, you're down 11, but you've got five minutes now to get down, get a touchdown, two-point conversion, field goal. It's still – it's tough, but if you punt the ball away and they are going to score a touchdown, they're going to take up pretty much the whole clock and you're going to get the ball back down 11 with – or even down seven, you know, with a minute left instead of five minutes or four minutes. So uh, really good, good decision by him. We really liked that one. Um, ended up converting it, and as we know, went on to, to win the game. So a huge decision there by Frank Reich. I think they, they were only one for three. He was actually 0 for two on fourth down to that point in the game and went for it here and got it. So that one uh, was a really good one, I think. And we've seen Frank Reich be aggressive. Sometimes uh, uh, to a fault, a lot of people <laughs> not really liking it, Colts fans, but that was a good one. They ended up winning, winning the game, so that's great. Yeah, fans never like it until it works. Yeah, and so we've got about five minutes left here, it looks like. Luckily, the Monday night game doesn't really require a ton of, of analysis. There's not a whole lot there. Kind of a boring game, but Dallas uh, goes in, into New York, one-point underdogs, only 39-point total. This line's dropped from Giants minus three last week. And it looks like now Michael Gallup, it was reported he would play on a snap count, but now he will not play, it looks like, tonight. Uh, um, so what, what are you thinking about in this game? What are you looking for from these two teams? I'm looking forward to being in bed by halftime. I would lean, you said that under's down at 39. If that under's down at 39, my brain starts thinking in terms of the points off turnovers over when we're looking at a backup quarterback in Cooper Rush versus a Danny Jones and Danny Jones. Uh, but beyond that, and even then, I might consider doing like a first half over under and not like rolling through it. But mm -hmm. if you've got some action, because for the last couple of weeks, your props have crushed it. Yeah. Okay. Monday night has been good. If you've got some props that can that can, can keep me keep me alert for this game, I am all yours. Yeah, overall in the game, I did when we covered this on Thursday with Tom on the betting show uh, that we did, I went – uh, overall, I think Dallas's defense is better. Uh, they've been better so far. Um, I'm going to ride with them to win this one. Uh, okay. The second lowest total of the week it was. I think it's an ugly low-scoring game. Okay. I'm not. This is a, a tough one just because two bad teams, maybe not a lot of points, but also two bad teams, a lot of mistakes, a lot right. of points that you wouldn't expect. Uh, but as far as I, I told you before we jumped on here, it was tough looking at some of the props here just because – we are expecting kind of an ugly game. You got Daniel Jones, Cooper Rush. But there were a few I picked out that I, I, I like. Um, Daniel Jones, under 199 passing yards. Uh, even though I think they'll, they'll be losing and probably going to have to throw the ball, he's thrown for 188 and 176 in the first two mm -hmm. games. Dallas allowed 212 to Brady, 199 to Burrow. Daniel Jones is not 
as good as either of them and their his uh, receivers aren't as good. Um, so I, that's probably the one I'm least confident in, but I've got some confidence there. Uh, Richie James, over 35 and a half receiving yards. He has exactly five catches and exactly six targets in each of the first two games and has right. gone for 59 and 51. There's going to be no Wandale Robinson tonight, and Kadarius Toney is doubtful. So it'll be him and Sterling Shepard again uh, taking passes. So only 39 and a half. I think that's decent. And another one, I kind of went back and forth on this, but Zeke over 59 and a half rushing yards. Uh, it's 58 and a half at DraftKings. Derrick Henry had a bad day, but had 21 carries for 82 yards in week one against the Giants. McCaffrey had 15 for 102. The big question here, I think, is if he gets enough carries. We know they they like to use Tony Pollard a lot, and it was a big Tony Pollard week last week. But Zeke had 52 on 10 and 53 on 15 his first two games, so he's been under. I've got a, kind of a natural lean to over on that. Um, I think mm-hmm. they're going to, especially if he comes out and has a couple good runs early, they're just going to lean lean on him more so. Um, but said so the – the one I like the most, I think, is Richie James and those others. I'll probably put those again in the the, the over, under, or higher, the, the pick them for underdog that I mentioned at the top and try and, yeah. try and see if there's another one in there to, to go uh, get the four or five and, and get those big bonuses. But those are three that, that I liked. Again, it was tough picking those, I think, but I like those uh, out, of, <laughs> out of all the ones I looked at. So we'll see if we can keep it rolling on Monday. I feel like the Zeke one is the one I want to go on because the idea that I'm going to stay up watching Richie James is a little <laughs> odd. But, like, one good run by Zeke. And, again, it's a weaker – in terms of pure talent on that Giants defense, it's a weaker defense. So the breakaway possibility of getting through and getting a 40-yard run just by getting through the line of scrimmage, that gets you most of the way to that. So I think I'm going to play that Zeke prop. And, uh, by the way, real quick, C- C-Town fan mentioned that the Seahawks look primed to get the number one pick. Right now at Football Outsiders, we've got the odds – to be the number one, to get the number one pick, and the Houston Texans mm-hmm. are prime to number one. And one of the things we'll look at, of course, is we got the schedule moving forward for yeah. these teams. So bad as the Seahawks look, there's winnable games. Texans have fewer winnable games moving down the line, as, especially as teams like the Jaguars start to get better. So if you're interested in that, head to Football Outsiders, follow us on Twitter, and check us out. But until then, you're right, Zeke. I'm playing the yeah. Zeke one tonight. Yeah, the Seahawks were actually my pick in our staff predictions to get the uh, number one pick, and wasn't looking great after week one there they got that win but hopefully they keep it they're actually not even in the top 10 for the projections for the top pick right now or top Hmm. five i don't think but i still have confidence that they're gonna not be good they're (laughs) they're gonna be not good they're gonna not be good but they're like they'll they'll get a win off the cardinals and yeah get these other wins around there and they might that might keep them off the number one yeah i expected the cardinals to be a lot better so that was part i just assumed I yeah. looked at it and said six losses automatically in the division. Uh, and then yeah. they had the whole AFC West. But they've already got one win against the Broncos. And like you said, Cardinals, they could get a win or two against them. But yeah. well, that'll do it for week three. Uh, our recap, before we go, don't forget, you can get that free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. Again, that's available even in states where traditional prop betting is not available. And they'll match your deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. You can get NFL, all of our NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats, and articles. You get an ad-free experience. You also get access to all of the DVOA data on Mondays instead of having to wait till Tuesday. So if you're an FO Plus member, you get access to that on Monday as soon as it's up. And last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game Thursday night, uh, throughout the day on Sunday, and then Monday night as well. Like Mike said, don't forget to follow us on Facebook. 
Twitter, uh, Instagram. I think we're just about everywhere. We might even be, I think we're on TikTok too. Oh uh, no, that, that's gotta that, be all you on TikTok. Me and I think some graphics, uh, like graphic <laughs> video, the, the new stuff that they're doing. They've got a lot of cool stuff that they do on there. So <laughs> they don't let people my age on TikTok. No, right. <laughs> but lots of good stuff. So again, just follow along with us. Don't forget your, your underdog, uh, free money from underdog and the FO plus subscription. Mike, it's a pleasure. Uh, being on here with you as we are every Monday. Enjoy, try and enjoy the game. I know it's going to, we'll probably both be in bed pretty early tonight. Yep. Go Ezekiel Elliott, go punter. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for joining. We'll see you next week.